Hello, you are listening to KRUI in Iowa City. It's 89.7 FM on your radio, KRUI.FM to stream online. Jake, where's the headphone control over here? Is it this one? Yes, Maybe. it's this one. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, for those of you listening, my name is Justin Comer. I am the host of I Hear I See Radio, the local music show on Sunday afternoons at 3. I am joined right now by Jake Jacobs. Jake Jacobs, host yeah. of The Test of Lime on Friday nights. <laughs> but more importantly, Jake and I are joined right now by some of the most trusted names in media, <laughs> uh, visionaries, best-selling authors, uh, hosts of the very popular podcast Chapo Trap House. We've got Matt Chrisman. Hey, hey. And Virgil Texas. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> and also Chris Wade is joining us. Hello, Radioland. And Chris, you are the producer of Chapo Trap House and also a host of And Introducing. That is correct. Two pods. Yes. You're very busy. I am. <laughs> I'm constantly looking at waveforms. Yep. So uh, before we get into the real meat, we need some Midwestern pleasantries to uh, <laughs> just lighten the mood. So how has Iowa been treating the three of you? Oh, wonderfully. Uh, we've had a very good time. Uh, everyone we've met has been very positive and I don't get the normal Midwestern sensation that their smiles are hiding knives. Everyone seems to be genuinely earnest in their, uh, in their friendliness. And mostly, I mean, I'm of course, because we've been around a lot of Bernie people and the vibes there are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere else we've set foot feels like cursed earth. Where else uh, have you been setting foot? Uh, well, we went to a, uh, Joe Biden, I wouldn't call it a rally. Uh, <laughs> wake? It, was a, it was a town, maybe uh, a wake. I don't know. Uh, in Newton. And that felt very much like, uh, yeah, like there was some sort of dark spirit in the room. Mm-hmm. And her name was Megan McArdle. <laughs> she was literally there. Oh, yes. no oh, kidding. Wow. She's apparently doing journalism now for yeah. some reason when the, her entire beat is reading off what's in the Hemaker Schlemaker uh, catalog. <laughs> but now she's out there with her little reporter notepad, like writing down what they say for some reason. Yeah, Did you no. have a nice conversation with her? Or? No, of course not. <laughs> As anyone? <laughs> we so, also, I would also say that perhaps the most uh, Midwestern thing that we've been doing is uh, eaten at Perkins every day so far. Every single day. Not huh? yet today. We not might, yet today. I think we might miss it. But look, it's open 24 hours, so we might get it in late tonight. Yeah, what is, what one, is Perkins? Uh, there's always know? something fresh and new is the thing about it. <laughs> it is, it's, it's, a, it's a Midwestern Elevated Denny's is what I would call it. That's a good word yes. for it. And, yeah. and they specialize in making pies that you can get to go. Yeah, there's one right off of the interstate. Yeah. By, oh, good. Uh, good yeah, in Coralville, yeah. if you if you need a spot tonight. Uh, but uh, that's not an endorsement. That's not an endorsement. <laughs> that's just information. Yes, right. We were told that we can't curse or directly tell the audience to do anything. And that's going to be tough because that's literally how we got here. <laughs> Uh, That's how we made our names. To echo Matt, you know, we're all basking in Iowa nice. And yeah, there isn't something lurking behind the Iowa nice uh, because everyone is just very literal here. Everyone is is pleasant and they wear uh, what's on the uh, exterior is exactly what the same is on the interior. In that regard, it's the diametric opposite of London, where everyone uh, you interact with is a monster. Yeah, because the three of us did go to uh, the UK right before the last UK election in yep. December. And it, we could not have been a different experience. Obviously, the end result was ca- catastrophic, but even the lead up felt very dark. And now we're here uh, two days for the Iowa caucus. Second time's a charm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, 
I mean, who, who knows, but I'm just saying in terms of, uh, of the vibes and the general sense, uh, that I see you going around, it's about night and day. Yeah. And let's, let's get into that. There's a important reason that you guys are here in Iowa this week. Uh, you are supporters of Bernie Sanders in his campaign for president. And this is a very open-ended question. Well, I, I am to, now, now that John Delaney has officially dropped out, <laughs> right, I can course. finally move over to Bernie. I mean, yeah, I know that your plan was to, uh, support Delaney first and then Bernie was your second choice. Yeah. And things have turned out, uh, you know, as sometimes we, you can't always get what you want as we predicted. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as we'll, as we'll see going on, that block of voters is going to be a very crucial in deciding, deciding the uh, Iowa uh, caucuses. Absolutely. I've been, I've been doing everything I can to court them. <laughs> uh, uh, so this is a very open-ended question. Why do you personally support Bernie Sanders in this campaign? And you can go off wherever you want in this answer. <laughs> I think it comes down to the fact that he is campaign is the only thing, the only movement, the only moment I've seen in my entire life, and that by definition means the life of any of the snot-nosed children listening to this. <laughs> uh, and and also, let's not forget the geriatrics who still use radios. Right. Well, they don't remember it for a different reason. Um, <laughs> the, it's the first movement, the first moment of my my life that I feel like has an opportunity to have a critical mass of people in this country realize that the that the ambient sense of despair and dissatisfaction that rules life in this moment is not inevitable it's not immutable and that the very fact that we can come together and mutually recognize that is what makes it changeable and that the bernie campaign is the is the is the vehicle for that to happen if it will it's funny, Matt's answer to this question looks forward. Uh, mine looks backward. I have been a supporter of Bernie being the 2020 nominee since November 2016. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> I mean, don't act like I was like, Blair, hmm. <laughs> You're considering others. Come course. on. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, uh, for, for me, the experience was, uh, in 2015 when this man appeared, you know, from on a ray of light <laughs> and, you know, was debating with Hillary Clinton, whom everyone presumed would be the nominee. And, you know, everyone was just quietly thinking, oh, yes, things are just going to continue being terrible. Yes, great. Uh, this man appears who is a, he's an eccentric individual, right? And he just starts saying things that are so outside the boundaries of acceptable discourse, right? Uh, when he says, you know what, we don't need 50 brands of toothpaste in the supermarket. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's not worth the environmental degradation and, and the, the human suffering, uh, uh, that culminates in you having 50 brands of toothpaste. And that to say that is tantamount to heresy mm-hmm. after decades of just strictly, you know, policed, uh, discursive boundaries. Uh, where, uh, that is, you know, extremely right wing. Uh, and as well, when he said that, you know, who, uh, I'm glad I'm not friends with Henry Kissinger. <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy is terrible. <laughs> Big moment. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing to me because, you know, for, for, for years leading up to that moment, I always thought that I would be totally isolated individual because my politics are just so outside the mainstream. And that no one else 
could ever agree with me and that, you know, I could probably never work in the media or something like that. Maybe I would eventually start, you know, a mimeograph newsletter or something. <laughs> and that's how I would eventually make a living. And to see that take hold in 2015 and to see that as the, that I mean, that was his 2016 campaign was unequivocally the beginning of all this, of the socialist moment and everything that that entails. And I watched it, I've been a participant in it, go from Bernie Sanders literally announcing his intention to run for president during his lunch break (laughs) and then going back to his soup (laughs) (laughs) Uh, with nobody there but like six journalists uh, to a movement of millions of people to see that through through him as the the vector uh to see what i fundamentally believe now be the conventional wisdom among people in my generation and yeah. in in your generation yeah and i mean we're at the top of the polls like this is this can't be uh, argued anymore <laughs> this is a dominant force in our politics now it absolutely is yeah and the you know establishment for lack of a better word is not ready for it that's mm-hmm. why you are you have been treated to their collective mental breakdown like they're going through the five stages <laughs> of coping right now i don't i think they're on bargaining right now bloomberg bloomberg, bloomberg, how about bloomberg? bloomberg. How about bloomberg? Yeah. bloomberg yeah, yeah. is bargaining yes definitely uh we saw the anger you know and i, I don't know what the rest well, are, i don't but. think the anger will ever go away <laughs> <laughs> it'll just get fainter and fainter over time as you stop having having to listen to any of them because these are people who deep down because of their you know their either their wealth in society or just, you know, the fact that they have had to, you know, scrape and serve, uh, uh, and defend the conventional wisdom, you know, to get a, a good job in the media or in politics or Democratic Party establishment or something like that. They genuinely cannot fathom that there would be millions of people who say, yes, I like socialism. I want socialism. I want no, no, no thank you to capitalism. I like, the, <laughs> I want the new thing. Uh, and, it's funny <laughs> to see them, uh, uh, you know, to see the, you can see the gears turn in their head as they realize, wait, but then we'll have a socialist nominee that wasn't, uh, control the party. No. no. <laughs> and Chris, why are you personally supporting Bernie Sanders? Uh, you know, you can have, it's such a big question and it, it really opens up so many, uh, vectors of discussion that get drilled down to, I mean, big things about your personal values and how you see the world. But, Honestly, my fiance Molly, uh, told me something today that I think is one of the, uh, most succinct definitions of why, uh, one supports Bernie Sanders, which is something that she read in Caroline Calloway's Instagram mentions. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which wow. was where just, the real wisdom is, <laughs> which is just the phrase, I support Bernie because he doesn't leave anyone behind. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, we've been having this democratic primary and, you know, Bernie has set the, set the party line for the party, whether or not anybody would admit it. Yeah. And the thing is, is that when he says Medicare for all, it's for all. When he says co- uh, college student debt relief, it is everyone. Universal. It is not, you know, every, every other candidate came out of the gate saying, you know, I know I support student debt relief. And then four months later was like, well, actually, uh, that student debt relief for working mothers who earn under 40,000 a year, whose last names begin between K and N living mm-hmm. on an East coast city. And it's like, Everyone else out there has some way to take things away 
from you. And he is the only one who leaves no one behind. And it's just powerful. And every, and the thing is, the more people expose that message, the more people come with him and come with us. Because I think this process, you know, we've, the, 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 the 2019 was Bernie just doing his thing to the, his core supporters, such as us, mm-hmm. uh, while the rest of the party and the media covering it decided that they were, they're going to deal with him by ignoring him. Uh, partially strategically because they don't want him to be the nominee, but honestly, partially because I think they really believed, oh, his time has passed. He would, like, now they're all saying this. That was the big thing in the, when they all started announcing because Kamala Harris says she's for Medicare for all. Mayor Pete says he's for Medicare for all. And there were all these people saying, well, you know, this means Bernie's thunder has been stolen. They, right. they took his idea. So it's all irrelevant. And what happened over the year is all these other people who, who were on paper saying the same thing as him fell away because it was a process by which the people who, as they paid more attention, which took long, a long time, they're waiting to read the fine print and they're waiting for the other shoe to drop, which happened with all of these people. Yeah, one by and one. Yeah. The last one at the end of the last year was Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once that happens, there's for this chunk of people who really were, want something like Bernie and maybe didn't pick Bernie because they thought he's too old or he's too divisive, which those are things that, you know, I can see someone who's not fully invested in him thinking, but by the end of the year, the only one, the only person out there who was not, who had no fine print, who had no, some, uh, you know, limitations may apply on there, uh, was Bernie. He was the only one who was giving you, uh, a, a square, real, uh, 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 deal. And, and that's, I think, when the tide turned, when people just decided there was no point in flirting with these other people because, at the end of the day, they were just giving you the same thing that they've been getting from every other Democratic politician in their life, which yes. is big promise that is not delivered on. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah, he's the only one who's straight with you. And the, uh, you know, uh, older centrists would respond to that and say, ah, but how is he going to pay for it? Like, that's this genius gotcha. <laughs> yep. And his answer is, uh, who cares? We'll figure it out. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, who cares? Because for every, just print money. For, for every, and for every other thing in the government, there's never any question about no, it. Of I course mean, not. It doesn't, it, it's not a real question. We have, what, an $800 billion discretionary defense budget? Yeah. Uh, preposterous. Yeah, and you just, they, you just float another, like, several hundred trillion to the Pentagon the, over the, over a lunch break. We're uh, way past, December. we're way past anyone caring about how we're going to pay for it. I mean, for one, you actually need to have a substantial salary to think that, you know, oh, I'm going to be taxed. And another thing is, you know, again, going back to people my age, people your age, um, it, if you have a substantial amount of, say, student loan debt, or maybe you have very high health premiums and, you know, you're not making enough to cover these things, then you don't care about the federal debt. You don't, you don't <laughs> care about any of that stuff. You just hear, um, okay, he's going to have a government plan to wipe out my debt. Okay, great. Okay. I see how it benefits me. Got my vote. Especially since we've seen the trick played over and over again of Democrats fixating neurotically on paying uh, for their programs then and, and, and rigorously tightening budgets. Clinton left office with a, with a budget surplus. Obama in the midst of a mass, un, uh, uh, the modern America's biggest, uh, economic crisis starts talking almost immediately as soon as essentially like, uh, you know, the fire is out about, about cutting spending and makes it a priority. And then of course Republicans get in and no one talks about the deficit for the entire time they're in there. They spend money on 
uh, all the defense gigawatts they want, the flying guillotine F 35 airplanes, all the tax cuts. And, and then the idea is, okay, now the Democrats are going to get in and they're going to, now they're going to play the game of saying we can't afford it now mm-hmm. when we could afford it when they were doing it. Mm-hmm. And Bernie is the only person saying we're not going to go with, we're not going to let them dictate to us what we can do using rules they would never apply to themselves and don't apply to themselves. Yeah. One thing you mentioned during that, uh, is that I really take issue with is the people thinking of Bernie as a divisive candidate and really the, the idea of like divisiveness in our politics at all and how we should all come together. (laughs) To me, it's just a fundamental delusion. Like, (laughs) we are divided. Like, these are issues that people actually have positions on. Well, the thing is, is that Bernie does, is divisive in certain specific ways in that he is actively, he actively antagonizes a certain segment of the Democratic Party and the incredible weird mutant freaks who have an emotional attachment to the Democratic Party <laughs> who are genuinely breathtaking specimens. Hopefully some of them are listening. And they, they are antagonized by him. But the beauty part about that is if he gets the nomination, they have nowhere to go. Sorry. Like the, your, your fixation, your weird sexual relationship with the Democratic Party means he's the nominee. You got to keep, you got to do it. Sorry. You're not going to be a Republican. Uh, and he does antagonize intentionally the, uh, malefactors of great wealth, you know, as, uh, the, the high, the 1%, the billionaires, as he calls them, uh, which that has the effect of unifying basically everyone else. Yes. And of course, you're not going to get the, the real committed Republican voters who are ideologically and, and materially committed to conservatism. Mm-hmm. But that is, that is such a smaller percentage of the population than people assume it is. They only get to exercise their outs, the, uh, this outsized influence. One, because they've been in charge long enough that they've been able to create counter majoritarian institutions like, like through gerrymandering and just exploiting the constitutional uh-huh. elements like the Senate, but mainly just because most, not, not enough people show up or care mm-hmm. because a lot of people who are, have no commitment to these things and certainly don't have any material uh, interest in the Republican agenda have decided that politics doesn't matter. And Bernie Siri, which I think we're going to see play out in the next year to us, I think it's going to shock, honestly, the world, uh, is that if you bring in not even everybody, but just any kind of significant chunk of those people into the process, the people that don't vote, they're going to overwhelm them. The the scary mega horde that all the liberals are terrified of. And think we need to get someone who can like, who's going to play nice so we can get enough of like the conservative Republican or like uh, suburban Republicans who are maybe more polite than the baying chuds. Yeah. We need Brett Stevens. Exactly. (laughs) Like, Oh, there's, there's not really that many of these people Mm -hmm. and they can be neutralized and you don't have to pander to people who are, manifestly deeply invested in making sure that you don't go left. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I think, um, I mean, we're going to see, uh, something that, that people bring up to me a lot is they're concerned with gerrymandering and Republican, con- uh, outsized control over state governments, local governments, et cetera. And, um, what I'm seeing or what I'm envisioning with a Bernie candidacy is like the, really the only way we can out, like take care of that is by outnumbering them by such a large margin yeah. that the power is just taken yes. from them. Yeah. And Bernie's the only candidate I see who can really appeal to the people who aren't voting now. And he's the only candidate with a, with any kind of idea of what to do when he's in office to channel that energy. Right. Obama famously was able to put together a very large, diverse, powerful coalition that 
was that uh, delivered what is in the modern era kind of a landslide considering how polarized we are and then immediately immediately and intentionally set about dismantling it as soon as he took power right. he had no interest in, in in channeling anything he wanted to get things done at the table with the other stakeholders in Washington DC west wing style right. and as a result it was it was 8 years it was as soon as they lost uh, both houses in or they lost the, the house in 2010 it was over the entire, his entire moment was over and it was six years of, of pointless gridlock. Uh, and then the astounding incompetence of the Garland, uh, uh, nomination. And <laughs> wow. It couldn't have gone any other way because he disarmed himself before he even started the fight because mm-hmm. the fight starts after the election. You know, the, 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 the getting there is a battle, but it's just the first. It's the first of a war. You know, you can't think, I think too many Americans, and I think it's their condition that way by parties that want them to think of it this way. They want to think of politics as a consumer choice. You go in, you press the button and you're done and you watch TV right. and then you see which team you root for the team you like. And then you come in another two years and that's your job. And if that's the model, it's, 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 it's gridlock until, yeah, until the, the seas claim that. us. Yep. Uh, the only thing that's going to change that is if we reconfigure our relationship to politics as the war is multi, is, it's a multi, you know, year campaign. The first battle is 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 to get the the actual White House, and then the real war, the real campaign starts when you actually have power. Right, and that actually brings me to another question I prepared for you. So, now that we're talking about the potential future, we're looking at what happens after Bernie's elected. What effect do you think our success with this campaign would have on future elections all across the country? And what about outside of electoral politics? Uh, very simply, the purge begins. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm all, all for it. Yes. Well, you know, we all, I'm sure you're also compiling a list of enemies of, of uh, you know, people that once all the laws have been abolished and we are the ones in power uh, that we will uh, purge. Long yes. live the new flesh. As I've been instructed by your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but not un- instructed on here. Actually, what, <laughs> one thing that uh, he said recently, I forget where he, I heard him say Just this. Just so you know, a purge is available. <laughs> <laughs> will be purging in your neighborhood <laughs> if you're interested yeah. Yeah. Uh, no one thing you said recently I forget where I heard him say this but you know some some pundit asked Bernie you know what, what do you imagine your presidency looking like and he was like uh, well I imagine I will spend a lot of time on Air Force One and he was talking about how he imagines that he's going to be doing a lot of right. traveling to places presumably agitating on behalf of his constituency. And I think one of the most powerful things to think about is like, imagine if like, I don't know, a carrier air conditioner factory goes on strike in Indiana mm-hmm. and the president of the United States is on the picket line with the workers yeah. yelling at their bosses with them. Because that is really the, the hit because yes, he's going to be agitating. And I think for a lot of these jaded DC guys, they think, Oh, he's just going to be doing Trump rallies. Well, some of them like to say, well, that just sounds like Trump, of which course. of course is the, <laughs> that is dental floss. From through between your ears, they're thinking, going to. Yeah. Well, they're both speaking to people. <laughs> <laughs> so president. They're the uh, same. Holy man. mackerel, dude! Uh, <laughs> but but like the more sophisticated critique of that is, well, that's just spectacle anyway. That's just you know people in a room and they'll like, yeah, that can be ignored. Uh, but it, it it not if it's and not if those mo- those meetings are not just to talk to people. It's to organize people mm-hmm. and not just as, as uh, individuals in in a movement, but also as workers. And that's the real secret ingredient that I don't think Bernie talks about honestly because I don't think he wants people to really get spooked at the, what what they're walking into here right. which is that the US labor movement is the only 
in our in our history has traditionally been the only effective countermeasure to capital accumulation and and capital capture of government in this country. And that one of the reasons things are so terrible now is because the last forty years has seen the steady destruction of the American labor movement. It's at its lowest point since the nineteen twenties. And Bernie has said explicitly, has said publicly that his goal is to double union membership in the U.S. in his first term. And you can say, oh, that sounds, oh, but we have never had a president, including no Obama, of course. Exactly. Yeah. Obama, his, his labor movement was card check, which he talked about plenty on the campaign when he was in front of the AFL-CIO. Yeah. And then it was, it, they never, did they even submit it? To the to the I Senate think it just evaporated. Card check or did they no, just during let it Obama's in? first yeah. term? Uh no, it was never debated. It just it never, never brought up. up. Yeah, it was it's just yeah. like well, that's not on. Well, that's also, not a priority. What, also, what's funny is because uh, they actually did pass card check uh, during the uh, last two years of the Bush administration. Well, of course, uh, oh, right. Bush vetoed it, and either vetoed it or was filibustered in the Senate. And the uh, you know uh, then Democrats won a bigger majority. Filibuster proof majority. And then a few Democratic senators, like Blanche Lincoln was one of them, who had originally voted for Karjak, said, um, actually, now that I think about it. Now that it might happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, here's the thing, folks. I never actually wanted this to happen. And the thing about us Democrats is the thing we really don't want you to know now is that we don't want any of the things we tell you we do. We just want to look yeah. like we do. We, yeah, yeah, it's like that is a thing. I think even people who, 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 who like are alienated from the Democratic Party, I hear a lot of people talk about how they're incompetent and about how they're, they're, they're just dumb or they don't know what they're doing. Some of them are and they, they do have, like, they do have DC brain in ways that makes, I mean, look at how the way they, they bungled the Trump, uh, election and the way that they're bungling this the primary. Uh, oh, they are yeah. very, they are very cosseted and that leads them to a lot of groupthink that is genuinely counterproductive. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is that they do not want what they say they want and they mm-hmm. don't want what you want. And their job is to convince you enough that they're on your side for you to vote for them and then to ignore them when they actually go through the, the, their careers of ignoring their promises. I mean, that's a great example. Another perfect example. Uh, there was a millionaire's tax on the table in New Jersey under Chris Christie, which passed. Uh, I believe, and, and I think both houses there because they, the, the Democrats control the, the, the state legislature and the Senate. And now they have a, a, a governor, a Democratic governor who campaigned on that wealth tax. Right. And uh, once again, uh, Democrats who had voted for it mm-hmm. under Christie, I have voted against it now. Mm-hmm. And that is the secret. And that, that, and that is why the idea of a Bernie presidency is terrifying because it would expose them. Yeah. It's all out on the table. And, and, point. and what the Trump presidency really makes me feel good about is. Trump had an opportunity. If he actually cared about governance and had an ideology, he could have realigned the gov- the, the Republican Party into like a blood and soil, yeah. hair and volk democracy party. Yeah, if he got mm-hmm. Bannon around it. If he if he'd listened to Steve Bannon and said, "We're doing a Medicare for all, we're doing higher taxes on rich people and the wall," that might have been an unstoppable force in American Honestly, politics. Yes, absolutely, yeah. but there was too much institutional inertia among the establishment Republicans who had to staff because he had no guys. Yeah. Uh, he had to staff it with regular Republicans. And at the end of the day, he didn't care enough to fight it. So mm-hmm. it's like they're yelling at him. Everybody else is yelling at him about a ban. And he's like, all right, fine. I don't want to have to deal with it anymore. And I remember thinking when he came in power, he's not going to be able to do that because the actual elected Republicans don't want it. But what I've now realized having seen him in action now for these last three years is that if he had gone to war with the Republican party in the, in the Senate and in the house and said, you're passing this stuff, they would have buckled. 
mm-hmm. because he could have put put a, put the beam on any of them. Definitely. And yeah. they would have been uh, defeated in their next primary. Guaranteed. Yeah. The scary thing is that yeah, uh, he's actually. And he would have been able to save. Yeah. He would have gotten these Republicans diehard re- Republican districts. He would have gotten them kicked out because they didn't want to raise taxes on rich people. That mm-hmm. would have gotten them kicked out because Trump said that. Yeah, the scary and thing is he actually has more power than he's he has wielding. so much more yeah. power, but he can't wield it. And yeah. it's not going to be as easy with Bernie because one, it's not going to be, it would not be as easy for Bernie to do that as it could have been for Trump. But it really shows that the power of the presidency, the emotional force the presidency has. And I feel like if Bernie wins a real the dominating victory over Trump, uh, mm-hmm. like a realignment of the map type victory, which I honestly, I don't want to. I, I, I'm such a pessimist in my life that I kind of feel like I'm going insane, but I can't convince myself that I'm delusional. I honestly think he could do it. I and see if he it did too. that, if yeah. he, if he banished Trump to the wilderness where he belongs and the center of the cornfield, he just explodes like Rumpelstiltskin. Not our cornfield. <laughs> um, they're going to love him. Yeah, definitely. They're going to love him. Yeah. And, it's no, they they're going to love him. Them could do. They're going to love him wildly more than any individual Democratic House rep or uh, senator. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and I mean, it's already happening. The thing that happened recently that made me just think this really could happen is Schumer, Chuck Schumer, who is the avatar of the Wall Street Democrat. Yeah, like he is there to do the bidding of all of the people who want nothing more than for Bernie Sanders to be defeated, uh, but. Schumer himself is just, I mean, he's the senator from New York. So he takes orders from the people who run the state, yeah. like most of these people do, because that's where they believe that's how they have experienced the Democratic Party as this uh, clearinghouse for the special interests of the various, you know, the, the, the different powers that are largely, you know, it's a Venn diagram with the Republican interests, but, you know, it's 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 its own thing. He came out against the uh, NAFTA, uh, re, the NAFTA 2.0 thing, yeah, the which Pelosi had pushed through. Uh, the House on the day that they impeached or uh, announced <laughs> articles of impeachment on Trump. Great job. <laughs> and, and Elizabeth Warren is in favor of the yes. NASA 2.0. Yeah. And yes. you had Schumer here saying, uh, there's not enough in here for climate change and workers' rights and stuff. <laughs> and, he, and because he's in a state where, I mean, he could get primaried by AOC in a world where Sanders is president. Yes. He yeah. could lose that race. Yeah, yeah. you guys are 100%. in New York. You probably know better than I. Yeah, how that he would go could, down. like if if he doesn't like that could be risky for. Her. But if if he if he is appear if he appears to be obstructing a Bernie, if they get the Senate, which they could, mm-hmm. they have a good, they have a decent chance to get in the Senate, yeah. especially if Bernie does well. Yeah, uh, if he is seen as a obstacle, it's over. He will be primaried. He will lose, and that's enough. That's the power. Yeah. Oh, and as well, I mean, we shouldn't ignore just the immense amount of power that the president has by fiat. Yes. The, the, uh, I mean, first oh, off, God. as we've seen from the uh, recent proceedings of Washington, so uh, the president is above the law and yep. is some sort of god emperor. Yes, can point. do whatever he wants. What's new? Yeah. Any, yeah. any the executive orders, <laughs> uh, uh, like the NLRB, he has, there's so many, What the thing that I can't wait I, for is that there's so many tools at the disposal of the president that literally none of us know about, including me, yeah. because they've never been exercised, yeah. because no president has ever had the desire to use them. My uh, mantra recently has been, uh, you know, watching the, uh, the, the Trump administration, you know, you hear a lot of people squealing like, imagine if Obama did this. And my thought is, wait when Bernie, wait until Bernie yeah. does this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I just want to take a moment to shout out COGS, the graduate student union. Oh, for uh, sure. If you're man. a graduate student and you're not paying your $20 a month, not cool. We're fighting to get rid of student fees. Yeah. They're the reason why you're not paying tuition and why Correct. you also have health care, mm-hmm. which is incredible. We're very lucky here at the University of Iowa. Um, Matt, I think you once talked about uh, abolishing universities. <laughs> and I thought that was really inspiring because I think universities do play a role in um, separating the most radical people from their communities. Uh, but I want to follow that up before I let you respond with, uh, Bernie did win the Moccas last night. <laughs> well, that is good. Never mind. Never Downstairs. mind. Downstairs. No, Bernie good. won by five. Well, see, I, I, uh, there's a sh- the, uh, the argument, people got mad at me when I said that. And then they pointed out, and it's true that like universities are really the only, traditionally anyway, since the sixties have been where leftism like thrives in this country. Like this is really the only place where people are together in a community and talking about these ideas, uh, in a way, cause nobody works in a unionized workplace anymore. Yeah. Right. So they have no other opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a world where that, that in a world where there's Bernie isn't president and we're not on a good trajectory, I think that, yeah, there, that needs to still exist. But honestly, I feel like, the, the university system as it exists now is one of those things that should be, we should hope to see phased out. Uh, uh, that, like these, the, the, these institutions that exist to like, uh, this little gladiator academies for people to get some scrap of accreditation that can keep their heads above water just enough to pay for the student loans that they took out to, to get the accreditation <laughs> yeah. and where they are inculcated in this, like, even if they're leftists, this, this neoliberal, uh, uh, like, Auto, this entrepreneurial idea that like you are selling yourself at all times. Yeah. Like even yeah. in political, like that's one of the things that plagues a lot of political left political movements is, and, 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 uh, is that people have this instinctive need when they're in these groups to stand out, to make themselves, to, to like make, give, give a value add. And that's literally, they're just learning that from an educational system telling them that you're on your own. And the only hope of you having any kind of decent life is to, at every moment, be advancing your your personal uh, 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 agenda, yep. and that is directly antithetical to you know uh, class politics or or left uh, organization. Right. And uh, I think a Bernie presidency, uh, a revitalized American labor movement, then all of a sudden, like it's it, it uh, leftism and socialism isn't this hot house flower of the academy. It's something that regular people can get their head around and 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 find ways to get involved with. Yeah, like the, which the, means the, the Bernie organizer power. and chief thing is going to involve not only organizing workplaces but creating community groups around all kinds of issues, and that's going to give regular people the ability to get involved in this stuff that really has been a privilege of people who've been able to get into college. And one of the reasons that regular people are alienated from leftist language and from socialism is because it has, I mean, honestly, in, in a run of the most perverse turns in world history, become associated with the elite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely backwards. It only occurs yes. here in right. the ivory town. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is another question uh, that I prepared. Before we ask this question, ahead, how Jack. are you guys doing on time? I want to make sure there's enough time for Chris's interview afterward with Lance. Uh, yes. I, uh, we have to be at the theater by six. So, okay. Yeah. So I can okay. do, I can do like 20 more minutes. Thought, yeah, how much long do you plan for our bit? Uh, there's no plan. <laughs> I, I, had, I had about 15, 18 more minutes. Yeah. Let's, let's go to five and then I can go good. like 20 more minutes after that. And by the way, just to be okay, clear, the thanks. vaping policy in here is that you can vape. Uh, not in <laughs> no, this room. So do you see that fire? Uh, yeah. What about it'll it? Read it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, they don't detect between hot and cold smoke. It's not smoke, it's a vapor. Yeah, you can't tell the difference. 
Don't do it well, while I'm in the room, then. okay? <laughs> we can yeah, finish I up. Agree. No, so I'm over in the art school, and I mean, I can't tell you how many students are like, can I bring in a fog machine for my performance artwork, <laughs> and I have to be the mean grad student. It's like, no. Wow, <laughs> you're making them hide their light under a bushel. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to ask this question, which I think is another kind of big open-ended one. How can we persuade our liberal, centrist, or even conservative friends and family to support a leftist agenda? Okay, well, there's your first problem that you have friends who are conservative. <laughs> these people liberal. out of your life at all times. Yeah, you know, uh, we, uh, well, that's not a command. That's not a command. <laughs> that but, was to me, directed at me. Yeah, was yeah I was you. pointing at him not when I said it. Yeah. It's, on, it's on camera. I was pointing at him. We have proof. <laughs> Not a call to action yes. for anyone listening. Who not a, not who a call to action, but you know, hey, that's, that's available in, in your community. It's happening. It's an option to sever <laughs> these yeah. toxic people out uh, from your uh, life. Uh, you know, freeze them out, never see them ever again. If you're interested, you may cut people out of your life. <laughs> yeah. If that's uh, something well, you want to do. I would say, I mean, in terms of, I think the proof will be in the pudding once he's president. People, it's going to happen. And it, I think, I just think it's going to just shift so much of what people expect, what people are used to, uh, that it's going to, that it's going to logically take care of itself. But if you're talking about getting them to vote for Bernie. Yeah. Like right. Now. Uh, yeah. Conservatives. That's easy. Who do you think Hillary Clinton hates more in the world? Yeah. <laughs> she approves it over and over. Hillary Clinton yeah. hates making statements. Hillary Clinton hates Bernie Sanders. I would argue a billion times more than she hates Donald Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Oh yeah. His victory will make her so mad that she honestly might spontaneously combust <laughs> on national television. She might take hostages. So <laughs> if you, if you're a conservative who's, who's part of your conservative identity is to hate the Clintons. And honestly, I understand completely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you are, as most people are in this country, driven in by spite in your politics, which is very, I think, Guilty. great. And, yeah. and, 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 and no, clearly a very important thing on the right. Just say, wouldn't they, oh, wouldn't they get so mad? <laughs> so that's what I'd say to those people. Okay. So uh, let's say you have a relative who is a liberal. Just tell them that, uh, they screwed up printing the ballots. So, uh, <laughs> if you have, you have to, uh, vote for Bernie Sanders and those votes go to Pete Buttigieg. Got I, it. I would say it to this to them. I mean, I guess it, it, it I, this is up to, to the, you have to understand, you have to do sort of an assessment of the liberal you're dealing with. If this is a liberal, <laughs> this is a liberal you're dealing with who is on the Mayor Pete track, mm-hmm. for whom liberalism is a career uh, path. That I'm afraid that person is not. They can't be rich. It's in their interest. It is absolutely in their personal interest. A far more deeply. I mean, hell, heck, that is how Bernie. That, okay. uh, that is like Bernie's entire, the basis of Bernie's campaign and socialist campaigning in general is. Interests is, is the interest of us. Yeah. It's like we have a shared interest to live in a livable society where we're not being exploited like dray horses by this ridiculous uh, cot here of, of uh, plutocrats. But if you're a, uh, a grade grinding Mayor Pete, inc- uh, 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 homunculi, <laughs> you know, getting up there, getting in the, like all those things. I mean, maybe you could argue, maybe if you want to, you could, to them, I guess you could say, look, Bernie's going to win anyway. You better get on the right horse. You, you, you want to be, you want your resume to get you read. Win, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. want to be a, a Chicago machine. You better, you better get on the right side. But if they're a, a liberal, cause a lot of liberals, I feel I've just been conditioned by all the years of defeat and by a party that intentionally tries to define down their ambitions. Yeah. Like this is what's possible. And I would just say to them, look at what they've thrown at Bernie Sanders over the past year and past four years. Look at what's happened. Look at the array, the entire array of the Democratic Party against him. The former vice president of the United States, this creepy little 
Munchkin from Indiana. Uh, they, 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 they tried to get like a, a lady Bernie, like, a clone, but like, you know, it wasn't perfect clone technology. They like, put, there was alcohol in the beaker or something. So it didn't quite work out. Like every effort you could find to go after him. And then every smear in, in the world that are all, if you're not invested in them, transparently obviously false because the thing that makes Bernie so invincible to these things is because people believe above all that he's honest and just tell them, look at this, what he's built here. Don't you think that it could maybe, maybe the, the horizons of possibility that, that, that you have been built, burned, that has been bang, bammed into your head for your entire life is maybe false. Maybe you're in Plato's cave. Yeah. Maybe you could turn around. Maybe you could see that there's a sky out there. That was, that was what I would say to them. And finally, if you have a relative who is an independent or moderate, mm-hmm. uh, say, you know, hey, pick a side, loser. <laughs> Boring. Uh, like you see everyone else doing politics and having all kinds of fun. You saw the, the hooting yokels at the Trump rallies <laughs> or the, the, you know, still with her lunatics on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more fun to lean in. Right. Way. So, yeah. you know, rationally speaking, that means there's a 50 50 chance to land on your side. And that's pretty good. That's any yeah. political consultant tell you that's a great conversion rate. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think also, like, as Matt was saying, the predominant emotion I think a lot of people who are more um, moderate Democrats feel is fear. Uh, and once... They, fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. And once they start seeing Bernie Sanders win, that fear will evaporate. See, that's the thing. A lot of these... This, this case is going to make itself. Yes. Because yeah. once Bernie starts winning, all the people who I think really do want what's best, but just don't think it's possible because they've been told that their whole lives... Are you gonna say he won? You won that. You won that. On that message, he beat. He beat the the vice Joe Biden, who's the safe choice. Who's gonna Who's gonna beat Trump because he's so easy. He's so likable, and he's 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 so obviously uh, uh, acceptable to everybody. He's in third place. Bernie's in first. My God, maybe 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 what I thought was possible is not really the case. Right. So I think we have about five more minutes. Uh, you can, I mean, the show at the Englert sold out, isn't it? Yeah, yes. we can't even do, we can't even not uh, give you a call to action on that because the tickets are all gone. Sorry. Well, I can yeah. tell you what. Drain dry. So sorry. Can find so there's me, a show that's not available in your neighborhood. <laughs> if you can find me, my girlfriend is really trying to get out of coming with me. <laughs> I'm sure. So. Not, and she will not be the only one. <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah, that's a good move. Just, just wait in front of the Angler and look at any girl who's rolling her eyes <laughs> and just say, hey, you want you want me to buy the ticket? And, and yeah, I think you'll get you at least one. You'll <laughs> yeah, definitely, you, you'll get a hit. If you yeah. look cool, I mean, you're doing us both a favor. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have a couple like more frivolous questions. We can do like a quick answer sure. here. Uh, I'm actually coincidentally, I'm going to be in Los Angeles on February 25th. Can I get on the guest list for one of your shows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> early one. The late, late yeah, show, late show gets Early would be better. Great. Yeah. Okay. That'd be awesome. Thanks. Um, and now that you guys have been in Iowa at probably the two worst times of year, <laughs> you're here for oh, the God. state fair. Oh, you're here now. Um, would you say you hate our summer or our winter? More? Summer. Summer. By far. Okay. No question. It's actually been kind of nice here. Uh, no, I like this. This, this week has cool. actually been yeah. kind yeah. of mild. This, yeah. Is, yeah, this has been I, great. I mean, I'm from Wisconsin. You know it. The, yeah, yeah. The, sto- yeah. the snowy, desolate cornfields I find really so lovely to, to, dress, uh, if, to drive through. Uh, if, if it were like zero degrees, I would probably have the opposite answer. Yeah, yeah. I would still prefer it if it was zero. Maniac. The summer made me want to just die. Although I do yeah. have to say one of my best sense experiences of this entire last year was sweating through my clothes. <laughs> At the Iowa State Fair, 
and then going to the 27 degree beer tent. Ooh, folks, <laughs> wow. getting yes. a 27 degree beer. We love it. And getting a chilled below it's freezing temperature beer. Degrees. It's below when that, freezing. No, you touch, when it touches your uh, tongue, I could just feel my body temperature low. So that's another great. thing I admire about Midwestern cultures, you all know how to deal with extremely hot weather, extremely cold weather, and that's just getting drunk. That's <laughs> Same answer. Both that's true. <laughs> yes. Solved. <laughs> Uh, this is for Matt specifically. I've heard you uh, reference Stephen King related oh, media yeah. pretty frequently. I think even on your most recent episode. Yeah, yeah you said something about following the All beam. things follow the yeah, beam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> All things this, serve the beam. This might be a big question, but do you have a favorite Stephen King related piece of entertainment media? Books, movies, etc. Oh, um, you know what? I do. <laughs> and it's a short story on Nightmare and Dreamscapes called Home Delivery. Remind me. Uh, it is about a woman. It's about a fisherman's wife on an island off of the main coast uh, whose husband dies in an accident on the ocean. Uh, and then and then she's but right. But after she gets pregnant. So she's trying. She's pregnant with a, and a widow. And then a George Romero zombie apocalypse happens. Uh, it's very good. I don't know if I've read that, but yeah, uh, spoiler alert, he, her husband uh, comes back as a skeleton and she has to kill him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure I would remember that. I like his short, uh, yeah, short no, the short stories are the best. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Hmm. Um, and since I gave Matt one, I'll give or also, one. also yeah. the jaunt. That's another really good one. That one. I don't know. Um, this one is for Virgil. Specifically. All right. I'll give you your own. <laughs> watch it. See how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, in episode two F O nine, when itchy plays scratchy skeleton, like a xylophone, <laughs> he strikes the same rib twice in succession, yet he produces two clearly different tones. What are we to believe? That this is some sort of magic xylophone or something? No, that's just how xylophones work. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the answer. Um, uh, real quick, worst president of the United States of all time? Andrew Johnson. Andrew Agreed. Johnson. Definitely. Not, not a contest. Anyone who says anything else is wrong. Uh, Shut up. Are you wrong, Virgil? Uh, He's going to be wrong right now, folks. Uh, Get Matt, ready for wrongness. Uh, if we had more time, we were going to have you rank them all. <laughs> Ooh, I could do it, too. Uh, uh, Matt, Matt and I, I have t- uh, talked about doing a spinoff podcast where Matt just does a, like a little bio and like the historical and political moment of each president in succession. And then we roast them. We had the best and the worst ones in a row. It was pretty messed up. I'll nice. say, uh, you know what? I, I got to be different. I'll say Buchanan. Oh, God. <laughs> that infuriates me because any any Northern Democrat in that office before the Civil War would have done basically the same thing. Andrew Johnson was uniquely terrible for the moment that he became president. Yeah, and you got to blame Lincoln a little bit for putting him on the ticket. Honestly, yeah, I like definitely. being I like being different. <laughs> well, you guys have a whole lot of love here at University of Iowa and in Iowa City, and especially here at KRUI. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to transition into the next interview. All right, cool. I believe I'm sticking around yeah. to yeah. talk uh, music and pods. Stay Ooh, tuned. Delightful. Talk to. Chris Wade. Uh, Bye, thank guys. you guys so much for thank talking you. Thanks to Thanks for having us. That was a great conversation. Um, folks, if you're interested, there's a caucus on Monday. And <laughs> yeah, wait, a, wait, hold on. A, we didn't talk about There's this. a real good candidate that I'm a fan of named Bernie Sanders that you may be interested in. So just, Some people will be canvassing yeah. or about caucusing. <laughs> um, and you can find all the information to, cam, or to caucus at berniesanders.com slash Iowa. I'm on the internet. You know how the internet works. Thank you very much. <laughs>